0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: We're not to try to figure out the times and the seasons. We are to live for Christ because God the Father has put all of that in His own hands. We're to live for Christ and God has given us the power to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And as we focus on that, as we give ourselves over to that, one day the Lord is going to come, and He's going to snatch His people up.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 through 37, in a message titled, The Coming of Christ in Glory. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: After the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So remember the question, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus, this is it. This This is the sign. The abomination of desolation, that will be the trigger. That will be the signal that the end is here and his return is near. So he goes on and he says this in verse 28. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it, my coming would be the it, is near at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, this statement, this generation will not pass away, has been greatly misunderstood. Uh, some people say this statement is proof that Jesus was wrong about things. So when you people, you Christian people talk about Jesus being God and knowing everything, you're wrong because obviously Jesus didn't know everything because he thought that he was going to come back before that generation passed away. And it obviously passed away. Well, that's not the generation Jesus was talking about. Other people have said, well, this generation is, uh, this is a reference to the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, and the promises that the Jewish people will continue to be a people and they will not go out of existence before these things take place. I think that's a poor way to understand it as well. The way to understand it, I think, is quite simple. It's the generation that sees everything that he just talked about. The generation that sees the tribulation begin will be the generation that sees the Lord return that's the generation that's being referred to but this parable of the fig tree we have to talk about this for a moment and we have to note Luke's use of the same sentence with an addition Luke says this now learn this parable from the fig tree and all the trees so you see Luke adds and all the trees Now, a parable is a story that is taken from just everyday life that the people you're listening to would totally get it. For example, we have in Matthew 25, we have the parable of the 10 virgins. And some were wise and some were foolish. Some brought oil in their lamp, some did not. The bridegroom came. The ones that were ready, they went into the wedding. The other ones, they didn't have what they needed. They had to go get it. Now, Bible teachers have done this over the years, decades, centuries probably, looked at the parable of the virgins and tried to take from it all different kinds of things. Okay, who are the virgins? Well, those are the really pure Christians. The ones ones don't have oil Well, that means they don't have the holy spirit so some have the holy spirit some don't have the holy spirit so you end up with this interpretation that says basically some christians are going to be taken by the lord in the rapture and some christians are going to be left behind well that creates a huge problem because you're either if you're a christian you're part of the body of christ jesus isn't going to you know split his body in two and take part of it to heaven and leave the other part on earth The problem is it's a misinterpretation of the parable because a parable is a story that illustrates one point, not five points. It illustrates one point. And the parable of the virgin is a very simple point. Be ready. The people in Jesus's day, they would have totally got it. It was crystal clear to them. Oh, he's telling us to be ready. Just like, you know, the virgins were ready. We need to be ready too. The parable of the fig tree is... The same thing. He's telling us one thing. Just like you would see a fig tree or other trees, when it starts to blossom, you know that summer is close. So when you see these things that he's just been describing, then know that my coming is close. What are the things? Well, they started with the abomination of desolation. So the generation that sees that happen in the future, that's the generation that can say, the Lord is coming. And they they can actually say, he's coming in three and a half years. That's how precise they will be able to be at that time. So that's the generation that Jesus is talking about. But the parable of the fig tree, so we did this, and I did this, and I actually taught this. We took the idea, somebody came up with this idea, I think it was Hal Lindsey actually, that the fig tree was a reference to the nation of Israel. And... What this is telling us is that the generation that sees the nation of Israel blossom or the nation of Israel come back into existence, that's the generation that's going to see the Lord's return. Well, it sounded good. It sounded pretty convincing. But it's actually not what it's talking about. And there there were efforts to to try to, you know, make uh, from the Old Testament Israel is a fig tree. Well, actually, in the Old Testament, God just describes the northern kingdom of Israel as a basket of rotten figs. That's about as close as you get, but it's not a fig tree. But see, the problem and the reason I'm bringing this up, and I'm implicating myself because I used to teach this as well, we were reading something into the text that wasn't there because everything around us seemed like it was was supporting that idea. And this is the way we understood it back then. And some people still hold to this today. Obviously, I do not. But we thought, okay, so the, the fig tree is Israel. Israel is reborn. It's, you know, its leaves are, you know, blossoming in 1948. So the generation that sees Israel reborn, that's a generation that's gonna see all this come to pass. And what's a generation? Well, I don't know, 40 years. I think that's a biblical generation. There there was that generation that wandered in the wilderness and for 40 years, and then they died, and then the next generation stepped in. So, okay, a generation is 40 years. So in 1948, Israel re-blossoms, the fig tree. 40 years from that is 1988. And you subtract seven because the, the final week, is a seven-year period, and you have the rapture of the church in 1981. So as much as we thought that was the right way to understand it, we were obviously wrong about that. Now, some people are very tenacious, and some people said, oh, well, we just had the generation wrong. It was actually not 40 years, but it's a 70 years was a generation. But this is reading something into the text that isn't there. Because again, this is a parable and a parable has one point. And the one point is the people who see the events that, I'm speaking for Jesus, the events that I described are the people that will see my return. That's the point that he's making. And so here we are today and we are still in that time of wars and rumors of wars, of persecution, of false religion, and of troubles and all of that. We're still in that. That's, that's where we're at. This is the way the world has been since Jesus uttered these words. And it's still like that today. And it's going to basically go on just like this, ebbing and flowing and, you know. But then there's going to come one point. And again, that's verse 14. There's going to come this abomination of desolation. And that's the mark. And that's when everything else now following, that the generation that sees that is the generation that will see the Lord return. So then what, what is the, the application? Jesus goes on and he says this, but of the day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So this verse has always been here in the Bible. <laughs> For 2,000 years, this verse has been here. But a lot of people have ignored it. People still ignore it. People still come up, as recently as just a few years ago, people come up with dates. And you know some people have said, well, we know the day or the hour. Even though Jesus didn't know it, we know it. And I remember when I was living in England, I can't remember the exact date, but it was like, I think it was 1997, and there was a May date, might have been May 14th, and this was all spread all around the world, but I was living in the UK at the time, and there was a man in my church, and some, he got some of this information, and he came to me, and he was very desperate, and he wanted to talk to me about this, because he was thinking this is probably true, and we were maybe like the end of April at during this conversation, and let's just say the date was March 14th. He says, I really need to talk to you about this. I've got to, I've got to. And I said, okay, on May 15th, we will have a long conversation about this. <laughs> but wait, we're supposed to be gone the 14th. Yeah, I know, but we won't be. So we can talk about it on the 15th. Because no one knows the day or the hour. And, and you see, here's the mistake that we make. And, and I've made this mistake myself in the past. We read more into the text that it says. Now, Bible prophecy is important, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And God's given it to us so we could have a sense of the future. But this is where we make our mistake. We try to get more specific than God does. We try to to fill in the blanks. And when we try to fill in the blanks, 99.9% of the time, we get it wrong. So we just need to learn to stop doing that. And we need to be able to just look at it you know the big picture yes God has given us the 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 prophetic word there are prophetic things that are that are sort of general that we can look at and say yeah well these things these things are pointing in that direction so I think the existence of the of the state of Israel I think it is definitely a significant prophetic event and so I look at that and I think, yeah, this means something in relation to the second coming of Christ. But when I get and I start to try to predict that, well, you know, this is going to happen here. And, and, and you know, th- this has been going on for a long time. So now we've got players today that we didn't have. We always hear today, okay, Israel this and, you know, Islam here and people trying to piece it all together. You can't do that because we don't know. Everything can change so quickly. Because at one time in my lifetime and my teaching time, we had it all figured out. And Islam wasn't even in the equation because Islam was not an issue back in the 1980s. The resurgence of Islam has been relatively recent, 20 years or so. And now we look at Islam, and some people have even said, again, trying to adjust the prophetic picture to the current situation, where prophecy teachers have taught that the Antichrist, for example, would come out of Europe and be connected to the Roman Empire, uh, the ancient Roman Empire that would be the revived Roman Empire. Some, after teaching that for years, decided, oh, forget that. It's going to be a Muslim. It's going to be somebody that's going to come out of the Islamic Empire, Well, that's what you call newspaper exegesis, which means you read your newspaper and then you read it into your Bible and then you say, this is what's going to happen. But Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. So I think what we're supposed to do, I think we're supposed to study prophecy and we're supposed to understand it. But we have to recognize we can only understand it to a certain extent, and there are lots of things we just have to leave open and say, well, I don't know about that. I do know Jesus is coming again. I know that for sure. And I do believe that Israel is uh, significant in relation to that, the, the state of Israel today. I think a lot of things going on in the world are, are pointing in that direction. I believe that God is going to take his people, the church, out of the world before that final point that we read about the abomination of desolation I believe that God is going to take his people out of the world before that but those are general things and when you start trying to get more specific then you just end up creating scenarios that are doomed to never happen and I know people and it's not this kind of prophecy obsession is not fully to blame but I think it does play a role. I know people today who were waiting for Jesus to come in the 1980s, and they were fervent and passionate and spreading the word, and they're not even walking with Christ today. And part of it is because they got caught up in all of that stuff. Now, it's not all of it. There's other reasons, obviously. So, We want to be informed on prophecy. So what I do is I just, I read all the prophetic passages over and over. I read Ezekiel. I read Daniel. I read what Paul said about prophecy. I read the book of Revelation. I love it. And the more I read it after, you know, almost 40 years of reading now, I realize, wow, things that I used to think were so clear. It's like, oh, that isn't as clear as I used to think it was. And so my point is simply God's given us the big picture Let's be careful about trying to get too detailed because we're inevitably going to be wrong. And then after a while, people say, oh, yeah, you said this. And, you know, yeah, we remember the Left Behind book series and all of the movies and all of that kind of stuff. And better to just stick with what we know from the text and let God fill in the blanks uh, as time goes on. Because what we're to do is... Take heed, watch and pray, because you do not know the time. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to um, his servants, to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, but coming, suddenly he finds you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. So what is the message of Jesus in relation to all this stuff? The message is watch. Watch with the sense that uh, I'm ready. And so I think, I used to be very certain, <laughs> Now I'm just thinking the Lord could come back in my lifetime. But I just remembered how old I am. So I'm thinking, well, maybe not. <laughs> so, you know, we, we think these things. But yet, one of the things that you will find in Scripture is that prophecy, God's time frame is different than ours. And, and here's a great example. In the, in the latter part of Isaiah i think maybe chapter 65 or some somewhere around there the lord says this behold my salvation is coming my salvation is near and that was a reference to jesus it was 700 years later that jesus came so god says it's near Now, at the end of the book of Revelation, we're told, or at the beginning of the book of Revelation, we're told that the the Lord's coming is near. It's at hand. Now, 2,000 years have passed. So we just have to understand God has a different time frame than we do. But here's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to watch and always be ready. So we don't know when, that's the whole point. We don't know when the Lord's going to return. We need to live like he's going to return tomorrow or today. We just need to be living in a state of readiness. Because if we're living in a state of readiness, then we're going to be doing the thing that God has called us to do in the first place. And that is, what what has he called us to do? He's called us to advance his kingdom. You know, the kingdom is here already because Jesus instituted it when he came, but it's not fully here yet. It's, it's going to be fully realized when the Lord returns. But in the process of waiting for him to return, we are to be advancing his kingdom. And we do that by spreading the gospel. We do that by establishing churches all around the world. And if we spend all of our time just sitting around trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back, we're not going to get the job done. And so I love what we read there in the very first part of the book of Acts. The disciples right then were kind of like some Christians today. They thought that the kingdom was gonna be set up right then. And so they asked Jesus that very question. They had a lot of things wrong. They didn't understand a lot of things, but they kind of felt like they finally figured it out. And so they said, Lord, Are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And that idea of restoring the kingdom to Israel, that's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is describing here. So they're asking him, this is before he ascends, are you going to, it's now the time? And Jesus says this, it's not for you to know times or seasons the father has put in his own authority. In other words, that's God's business. But you shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses to me in all the world, beginning right here in Jerusalem and all the way out to the ends of the earth. And you know, that word that Jesus spoke to them that day is the word that I would say he says to us today as well. We're not to try to figure out the times and the seasons. We are to live for Christ Because God the Father has put all of that in His own hands. We're to live to Christ, for Christ, and God has given us the power to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And as we focus on that, as we give ourselves over to that, all of these things that we're reading about, it's all gonna just roll out. And one day the Lord is gonna come and He's gonna snatch His people up. And this covenant whatever it is this prince and making a covenant with the jewish people that's going to happen and then there's going to come that fateful day when that abomination of desolation is set up and that's going to escalate everything right to the end but until that happens we just need to be about the lord's business and as i was saying a moment ago i I, I used to you know when i was younger i felt like well surely this is going to happen in my lifetime uh, but I don't know now. It might. I hope it does. But it might not either. Now there are people who say, oh, it's gonna you know, we're gonna go on another thousand years, another five thousand. I don't believe that. I think that's a bit naive, because God does seem to have set the, the world stage. But, you know, things can change and things ebb and flow and go back and forth. And then for a time, it looks like this. And then suddenly it changes and it's like that. So what we know for sure is no one knows the day or the hour. And we know that Jesus is going to come. And we know that he told us to watch and be ready. So let's do that.
0: Let's join Pastor Brian as he shares about this month's resource from Back to Basics.
1: Hi, Pastor Brian here. I wanted to recommend a book that my wife absolutely loves. It is a book about Gladys Elward. Gladys Elbert was a young woman who went as a missionary to China, and God used her in an extraordinary way. The book is written by Phyllis Thompson and she is one of Cheryl's favorite authors. So for those of you that might be interested in missionary biographies and the story especially of how God has used a woman like Gladys, this is a book for you. So I highly recommend A London Sparrow. That's the title of the book, A London Sparrow, The Inspiring and True Story of Gladys Elward by Phyllis Thompson.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled A London Sparrow The Inspiring and True Story of Gladys Allward By Phyllis Thompson You can order the book A London Sparrow By going to our website Backtobasicsradio.com Scroll down until you see the photo of it And then click on the donate button When you give the gift to Back to Basics We'll send you the book A London Sparrow By Phyllis Thompson To encourage you in God's ability To use you for extraordinary things It's our way of saying thank you For your generous support of this ministry